Who Gets to Decide, a liberty-based podcast that brings a little piece of sanity to a confused society drowning in a culture of craziness. And here is your host, Seth Martin. Well, all right. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Who Gets to Decide. This is Seth Martin, your host. Thank you for joining this evening. Glad you're here and happy you're listening. Well, there's almost nothing, it seems like, on the news right now other than the debt ceiling debate. And it's not really a debate, right? It's more of like the blame game. And um, it's a lot of spin going on here, a lot of blaming, a lot of uh, just manipulation. Um, The Republicans have passed a budget I believe on April 26th, which is, you know, quite a ways now ago. That was like three weeks ago. And the Democrats haven't done anything except say that it's dead on arrival and complain that the Republicans aren't negotiating. And to me, this is an interesting tactic, but it really doesn't... um, it really kind of makes them, well, they're, like always, the Democrats are pretty successful doing what they're doing because they have the media on their side and, you know, they can they can manipulate the message quite a bit. But it seems to me the way you pass a bill uh, or or get a budget is you first have to pass a budget and then that puts something on the table for the Senate and the president to negotiate or to put before their body, uh, the Senate, and and pass something of their own. And then the way it's supposed to work is then they're supposed to meet in conference and negotiate. And of course, none of this other part has happened yet. So three weeks ago, the House passed a budget. And ever since then, you've had people coming on TV saying the MAGA Republicans have co-opted the system. And this, of course, is just spin and manipulation and lying or whatever you want to call it. It's, it's, not, a, it's not necessarily a good faith effort to move uh, the conversation forward. So I thought we would play a little bit from this uh, Senate press conference uh, where you have Bernie Sanders and Ed Markey and John Fetterman. I didn't even know John Fetterman was back in the Senate, although, I don't know, back in the Senate with a hoodie, he's wearing a hoodie, he looks kind of funny up there because he's he's standing with these other senators who are wearing suits, and he literally is wearing a gray hoodie and I think shorts. I mean, it's really bizarre that he just dresses that way all the time, uh, regardless of you know what he's. I mean, I think the Senate has a dress code, and he's got a hoodie on anyway. Um, anyway, these guys are saying all these types of things, and and I want to just. I want to take some of these one by one because this is obviously not the case. And, um, but ultimately these debt ceiling debates and what happens comes down to who gets blamed and how that's, how that blame is perceived by the public. And then what they also do is, and I'll get into some of this in a little while, but uh, there actually is enough revenue coming into the treasury to pay the interest on the debt. 
Um, the problem is there's not enough revenue, I think, to pay the interest on the debt and then all of the other stuff that uh, that we've you know that we spend money on. And there's just a couple of arguments that they keep making that I want to address and and dig into a little deeper and le- and, and really just kind of study on whether or not these these are factually correct um, and whether these are legitimate arguments to make based on uh, what the reality is, what the past has been, uh, and what their options are today. And uh, because you don't, you don't get that. All you get is, hey, you know, the Republic, the MAGA Republicans are co-opting, you know, the purse of the federal government and threatening default on the debt. And you really don't get much more than that. So uh, today, I want to dig into this press conference, and if we have enough time. I might play a little bit from um, Fox News Sunday this morning, which was also pretty good. Um, some of the same arguments are being made there. And um, I, I just think it's important to point out some of these distinctions uh, because both sides are telling a story that they want you to hear. They're not telling you the whole story. And really what I mean by the story is I'm talking about the framing of the question or the framing of uh, the situation. Both sides are trying to frame it uh, in such a way that advantages their team. And neither side really um, is, is doing much to really bring the situation to a close. I would, I would argue that the Republicans have done more because they actually passed a budget that says, here's what we are willing to appropriate. And uh, the Democrats don't like the budget, so they're just calling them names and basically saying things like, eh, they're holding the whole country hostage and this kind of rhetoric. Let me begin by thanking the 11 United States senators who have signed a letter to the president urging him to use the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, if necessary, in order to prevent a default on our national debt. And those Signers are Tina Smith, Elizabeth Warren, Jeff Merkley, Ed Markey, Maisie Arono, Peter Welch, Dick Blumenthal, Jack Reed, Sheldon Whitehouse, and John Fetterman. Uh, Throughout the history of our country, the United States government has done what it is supposed to do. Not too surprisingly, we pay our debts. That's what we have always done. In fact, over the past 63 years, the national debt limit has been raised nearly 80 times, 49 times when a Republican has been president and 29 times when a Democrat has been president. The debt ceiling was raised 18 times under President Ronald Reagan, seven times under President George W. Bush, and three times under President Donald Trump when the national debt increased by some $8 trillion with no strings attached. Bottom line, we pay our debt. That is what a major country does, the largest economy in the world. We pay our debts. So you might have noticed we have the illustrious Bernie Sanders talking, and he's never seen something he didn't want the U.S. Congress to spend money on. So... Obviously, he's wanting this debt ceiling raised. 
Now, <clears throat> I think the first thing we need to do is define default. You know, what is default? So anytime you borrow money, uh, you have a series of payments that are due. And usually these payments are a combination of principal and interest. And if you fail to make one of those payments, you're, you're considered to be in default. Um, now, the, the United States government, the payments it's making on the debt is only interest. Okay, so we don't ever pay any of the principal. Anytime a bond or treasury comes due, we simply roll it over into more debt. We don't ever, we don't ever pay off any of the bonds that we've issued in the past. We just simply make interest payments. So we're not paying our debts. That's the first point to make. This is just false. Um, if, if, if what the 14th Amendment says is that the U.S. government shall pay its debts, we're not doing that. We are simply paying interest on the debt. This would be like if you had a credit card Okay, and you always just paid the interest on the credit card, but then the credit card continuously raised the limit on the credit card. So maybe maybe you started off with a two thousand dollar limit, and you're paying forty bucks a month, and then they raise it to maybe eight thousand dollars, and now you're paying you've you've increased your spending, so now you're paying eighty bucks a month, uh, and then they raise it to fifteen thousand dollars. And you've increased your spending, so now you're paying $150 a month. And then they raise it to $18,000 or $20,000, and now you're paying... You see what I'm saying? Your interest payments are going up, but the debt you're accruing is also going up. So you're not actually ever paying your debts. You're simply just paying more interest. And what the Republicans are trying to do is to stop this process. They're trying to, or at least slow it down, because everybody knows if you keep doing that, eventually you're going to, you, the, the, the amount of interest even is going to outstrip your ability to pay even that, much less any hope of paying any principal. So this is becoming a serious thing, and the Republicans are trying to address it. And they're simply trying to address it by rolling back spending to the levels of like pre-COVID. Or maybe not even that far. Maybe just to last year. See, what happens in the U.S. budget, the United States uh, fiscal budget, is it goes up every year on autopilot. Like 6 or 7%. Every year. Every year they get to spend 6 or 7% more than they did the previous year. And what the Republicans are trying to do is, one, roll that back to where it's just the same budget we had last year. And then, two, only let it grow 1% per year. And the, the Democrats are acting like, you know, this is... There's like huge cuts going on, and there's not huge cuts going on. There's just simply a reduction in the growth of the of the size of the budget that's on autopilot. This is what they call baseline budgeting. Baseline budgeting means 
we get to add six to seven percent to the budget every year. That's our starting point. And of course, I mean, who operates this way, right? Nobody. And I mean, the economy doesn't even grow six to seven percent a year. So even if you just looked at it from a standpoint of GDP versus the growth of the budget, eventually the budget outstrips the uh, the ability of the U.S. taxpayer to even pay, right? Because the budget is growing twice as fast as GDP. And this is obviously not sustainable. And so you've got the Republicans trying to get a hold of this, and the Democrats are, you know, you'll see in a minute, but they, oh, poor people are going to die, they're going to starve, children are not going to have this, and I mean, they just, they bring out all the victim groups, right? And, and start, you know, basically um, acting as if the world is going to come to an end if this debt ceiling is not raised. And let's be clear, what the debt ceiling is about is paying money that has already been appropriated and spent. It has nothing to do with future budgets and future spending. You can debate that. This is simply a question of paying off what has already been spent. However, in an unprecedented and outrageous way, extreme right-wing Republicans have hijacked the debt ceiling process and have said to the American people, if we don't get our way and impose savage cuts on the needs of working families, the elderly, the children, the sick and the poor, if you don't do what we demand that you do, we are prepared to allow the United States government to default and bring our economy and the world's economy into turmoil. That's what the Republicans are essentially saying. If the right-wing Republicans force a default, it will mean the loss of millions of American jobs, interest rates on mortgages and credit cards will soar, and Americans will lose trillions of dollars in household wealth. As disastrous as it would be to default on our debt, it would be equally disastrous to pass the outrageous Republican proposals. Let me just acknowledge right here at the beginning that if the government cuts spending, that's going to be good for the economy. Okay? Now, it might be bad for some of those children that are on the CHIPS program. It might be bad for people that are on government assistance of various types. In basic, you know, keep in mind, rich people are also on government assistance. Like rich people that make wind turbines get huge subsidies from the government. Solar panels get huge subsidies from the government. These are rich people getting, you know, vast quantities of money from the government. It's not just poor people. Okay? And the problem with all this is you, most likely you, in the middle class, and I'm talking about people... Middle class to me is if you make less than a million dollars and you make more than a hundred thousand. You're in the middle class, okay? 
If your household income is between $100,000 and $1 million, you are in the middle class, okay? And you are having to pay all the burden of all this spending falls on you, okay? It's not the billionaires. The billionaires still pay a lot in taxes, don't get me wrong, especially if you if you take the discussion away from tax rates and just talk in terms of sheer dollars. Uh, they're paying a lot in taxes. They don't pay the same rates, right? Because their income comes, a lot of it comes from capital gains and that's taxed at a lower rate. And there's a lot of discussion about that, but it doesn't make sense to tax capital at such a high rate. Um, we can talk about that another time. But paying our debts, what, what's happening here is we're not raising the debt ceiling to pay our debts that, that Congress has already obligated us to. Just in the same way, if your credit card, if you keep uh, getting the debt limit raised on your credit card, you're not paying on the things that you've already obligated to. We've already established that, right? If I, if I bought $18,000 worth of stuff on my credit card and I get the, the ceiling raised to $25,000, that does nothing to help me pay the $18,000. All it does is allow me to spend an additional $7,000 on the credit card. And yes, my interest payment goes up, but I'm not paying on any of the things I've already obligated myself for. So this is just a lie. This is just a flat lie that Bernie Sanders is telling because it sounds good, right? It sounds good. Oh, we need to raise the debt ceiling so we can already we can pay what we've already uh, appropriated from Congress. No, that, that's not what's happening. Remember, the government still brings in tax revenue. So the tax revenue pays primarily what Congress has appropriated, not raising the debt ceiling. The, ra the raising of the debt ceiling is an expansion. Well, it's an expansion of what Congress has already appropriated, and it's an expansion to pay mounting interest on the existing debt. Remember, interest rates are going up. So the amount of interest we have to pay on the debt is also going up. And this is what raising the debt ceiling is going to do. So everybody in the financial department, in the financial industry, financial department, listen to me, everybody in the financial industry believes the interest rate trend has changed and interest rates are going higher. So how can we continue to raise the debt ceiling and borrow more and more money. Eventually, just that interest payment is going to be more than the entire budget of the, of the United States government. Eventually. That, that's necessarily where we're going. Every time you raise the debt ceiling and pile on more debt, keep in mind we have about $32 trillion in debt right now. So raising the debt ceiling would allow us to expand that to... 33 or 35 or 38 or whatever the agreement is, okay? And as interest rates go up, the amount of interest that we have to pay to roll that over each time goes up and up and up. So Bernie Sanders is a, is a liar, okay? This is what these guys do. They lie to you. 
This is all about kicking the can down the road. And it doesn't matter. The, who, who raised the debt ceiling? What, who was president when the debt ceiling was raised in the past has nothing to do with who was president and everything to do with who was in control of Congress. I don't know why he went through that exercise of telling you who was in office the last time that the last several times the debt ceiling was raised. It's it's a meaningless fact, um, other than I guess to just make Republicans look bad because Republican presidents have lifted the debt ceiling or agreed to lift the debt ceiling in the past. But the past needs to stay in the past. I mean, we're we're dealing with a new situation now. We're dealing with rising interest rate environment for the next 40 years. So default by the United States government is inevitable. It's inevitable anyway, but it's really inevitable if we don't stop what is happening. And this is what the Republicans are trying to do. Under their proposals, it has been estimated that up to 21 million Americans would lose Medicaid ripping away the health care they need to stay alive. Over a million women, infants, and children would not receive the nutrition they need to stay healthy through the WIF program. Nutrition services, such as Meals on Wheels, would be cut for more than one million low-income senior citizens in this country. Over 640,000 families would lose access to rental assistance, and more than 400,000 low-income families would be evicted from Section 8 housing. 200,000 children would be thrown off of Head Start, and 180,000 kids would lose access to childcare. 80,000 jobs would be cut at the VA alone, impacting the quality of care we provide to the men and women who put their lives on the line to defend us. All of this is absolutely unacceptable. Meanwhile, by imposing draconian cuts on some of the most desperate people in this country, the Republicans are refusing to ask the wealthiest people in America, the people who have never ever had it so good, to pay one nickel more in taxes to start paying their fair share of taxes. Further, they are refusing to cut defense spending at a time when we already spend more on defense than the next 10 nations combined. And they have made it clear that they are prepared to hold our entire economy hostage unless the president gives in to all of their demands. And this is something we cannot accept. You might recall that in the past, I've talked about jobs that are just going to disappear from the U.S. economy. And the, the types of jobs I'm talking about are all the people that are employed in the lines of businesses that Bernie Sanders just detailed. Okay, all of this stuff is going to go away. And if you're working in one of these lines of businesses, you really need to start making your way to either the private sector or a sector of government that is so essential that it cannot be cut. Now, he does mention something here that I agree with him on. Boy, believe me, that's really saying something. But the defense budget should be cut uh, tremendously. I mean, we, sh- we could easily cut five or six hundred billion dollars out of the defense budget. But a lot of people are going to have to lose their jobs. I mean, the U.S. government 
is running the largest jobs program that's ever existed in the, in the entire world. Uh, some, some 3 million people directly work for the U.S. government. And then you've got tens of millions of more people that work, uh, let's say, at the trough that feeds these ancillary businesses that run programs and stuff, NGOs and all this kind of stuff. You are literally talking, there, there, there are millions and millions and millions, there are, there are 20, 30, 40 million people that work in America that are directly tied to funding from the U.S. government. And eventually all those people are going to have to find something else to do. <laughs> This is what I talk about all the time. This is, this is what I talk about when I said these jobs are not sustainable. They're not sustainable because you can only get so much tax revenue out of, out of a, a citizenry. And traditionally, it's been 20 to 25%. This is one of the reasons they can't raise taxes on rich people. Rich people will just go somewhere else. This, this, is, this is what happens. And so... This is why the borrowing has been such a, a boon for the U.S. government. But there will be a day where, where this, this all comes to an end. The market will discipline the U.S. government. This is one of the reasons they want to switch to CBDCs. They don't want to have to borrow money from the bank. They want to just be able to print it and spend it, um, monetizing the currency directly. And this is, of course, dangerous for all of us. Um, yeah, Bernie Sanders is an imbecile, okay? These other guys that are standing up here, up there with him, Ed Markey and people like that, they're, all these guys are imbeciles. They don't understand what it is they're advocating for. They just want to maintain their power. And they will destroy the entire country so that they can maintain their power. That's, that's the nature of government. I mean, that is. That's it. So, yeah, um, we're, we're headed for some big-time trouble. And it's not necessarily uh, around this particular debt ceiling debate as much as it is around the sustainability of servicing the debt that, that we've already accrued. Okay, the 30 Two trillion or whatever it is thirty-three trillion dollars that we have an outstanding principal that we're not paying down, okay? That is hanging out there that we have to continue to pay interest on, with interest rates now going up. So I think there's something like uh, for every one percent uh, interest rates go up. Uh, the uh, the serve the debt service of the United States government goes up by like four hundred billion dollars, so that means if if interest rates went up ten percent to ten percent, the debt service would be something like four trillion dollars. I mean, where is all that? And that doesn't even buy any programs. That doesn't pay for any programs. That's just interest on the debt. So you can tell that this is this is not a sustainable path, and. The Republicans are trying to do something about it. Now, they're not going to be successful because this demagoguery that the Democrats do is, is very effective, and it's backed up by the media. So, I mean, I commend them 
for trying, but this is this is a fool's errand, and we're we're literally, I don't know, probably less than ten years away from some massive default anyway. In my view, and the view of all of us up here, the president has the authority and the responsibility under the Constitution to make sure that we continue to pay our bills. In fact, the 14th Amendment of the Constitution clearly states, quote, it's not ambiguous, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned, end quote. Is this a perfect solution? Is imposing the 14th Amendment a perfect solution? No, it is not. But using the 14th Amendment would allow the United States to continue to pay its bills on time and without delay, prevent an economic catastrophe, and prevent devastating cuts to some of the most vulnerable people in this country. It should be exercised if necessary. Uh, Ed Markey is from Massachusetts. Ed. Bringing up the 14th Amendment in this case is, is not exactly helpful, but let's just address it real quick. The 14th Amendment was added to the Constitution after the quote-unquote Civil War, which was really uh, a war of aggression against the South who had seceded from the Union. That's really what the Civil War was. And the U.S. government, the North in this case, ran up huge amounts of debt prosecuting this war against the South. And one of the things, and, and we didn't have a Federal Reserve, okay? So there was, no, there was no way to monetize this debt at the time. And people were wondering what, what could be done about this, you know, what, what, what was going to happen with all this debt that the U.S. government had run up. And so in the 14th Amendment, they put a phrase in there, the public debt of the US, United States government shall not be questioned, okay? But the reality today is we have a, there's a market, okay? Uh, we have a central bank. We're the world's reserve currency. There, there, there are market forces. Even as powerful as the U.S. government is, there are market forces that are more powerful, Okay? And I'm talking about the bond market, this interest rate market, and it will crush the United States government. If we don't default on this, in fact, the, the honest thing to do eventually is to default on this debt. And the reason is, is because it cannot be paid back. It cannot be dispensed with. And it, it would literally impoverish uh every man, woman, and child in this country to the tune of, I don't know, two, $300,000 per person. I mean, you know, let's just layer on $300,000 in debt per person living in America. In addition to your student loan debt, your housing debt, your car debt, whatever kind of debt you have, let's just add an extra 300 grand to that. That, that is not possible. There are people living in this country that won't make $300,000 over their entire lifetime. Okay. This is an impossibility. So what, what do you do? You, you, you soak the rich with this debt? No, I, I already told you if, if you, if you, if you tried to do that, you would see mil billionaires and some millionaires flee the United States in huge numbers. And then, and then there's even, a bigger problem, okay? 
So this is just not possible. And the only honest thing to do eventually is to default on this debt and say, we can't pay it. And by the way, you know, if you loaned money to the United States government, sorry, you lost all your money. I mean, you shouldn't loan money to people that can't pay it back. So this is our future. And I know that sounds grim, but uh, this is really what's happening, okay? It's, it's not the story you're hearing on TV. It's, this is the underlying story. Thank you, Bernie. <clears throat> Thanks to all of my colleagues. We are here to send a message to President Biden to do what it takes to stop Republicans from driving our economy off a cliff. We know that President Biden can cut deals. We know that he's a man of his word. And I have confidence uh, and faith in the president in these negotiations. But I do not have faith in Speaker McCarthy and right-wing Republican House members. Speaker McCarthy wants to jeopardize the whole of the American economy, sacrifice working and middle-class families, hard-earned savings by the trillions, and hundreds of thousands of jobs, and put funding for rental assistance, early childhood education, nutrition assistance for moms and kids, and our entire social safety net on the line for some cheap political stunt. Republicans are not serious about finding a solution. So we are urging President Biden to utilize his authority under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution, which clearly states, quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. Using this authority would allow the President and the United States to continue to pay its bills on time and without delay as the United States Constitution requires. It will ensure we prevent a potential global economic catastrophe. Speaker McCarthy says he wants to limit, save, and grow. But what he and his right-wing Republican House members really want to do is cut, gut, and slow. Cut taxes even more for the wealthy and corporations. Gut programs like Medicaid, Head Start, Meals on Wheels, Pell Grants, community health centers, and slow the pace of clean energy and climate action by rolling back the tax breaks for wind and solar and electric vehicles, all to protect their big oil buddies. So let me be clear, we will not default on our debts and we will not default on our commitments to environmental justice, communities who fought relentlessly to secure the historic climate and clean energy investments in the historic Inflation Reduction Act. The reality is that the debt limit isn't about government spending. That's a separate federal budget and appropriations process. Republicans know this, but don't want the American people to know that. What we're talking about with the debt ceiling is whether we are going to default on the bills we've already incurred. It's like racking up a bunch of spending on your credit card and then refusing to pay the bill at the end of the month. 
let me address this last part first. He said that's like racking up a bunch of spending on your credit card and refusing to pay the bill at the end of the month. And this is true, okay? But if you don't pay your bill at the end of the month, or if you're at risk of paying your bill at the end of the month, the credit card company should not increase your ability to borrow. I mean, if you're having trouble... See, here's the thing. The only way we can pay... This is not exactly true, but the only way we can pay the interest on the debt and pay all these expenditures, this is true, is by increasing the debt limit. And then we take part, we borrow, see what we do is we borrow money to pay the interest. So do you think the credit card company would be okay with that? Hey, raise my, raise my spending limit from 25000 to thirty, so I can take the, the extra five that you give me um, credit for and pay the interest on the balance that I already have. <laughs> no, that, they would not be for that. They would want to know, where is your revenue coming from? And the reality is revenue comes from taxes. That's it. Taxes are the only place that we have revenue. So not just the spending that we commit to, but the interest that we pay on the debt and principal, if we ever do, which we don't, should come from revenue, not from increased borrowing. And if you can't come from revenue, then you need to cut these expenses that you've signed on for. And he outlined some of them, you know. Why does, why does energy, why does, you know, oil companies don't get money from, from government? Why does solar and wind and all this stuff need money from government? Because it doesn't make money, that's why. They call it sustainable, but it's actually not sustainable. None of this stuff is sustainable without borrowing more money forever. And of course, you can't borrow money forever. Eventually, the market will cut you off. The reason the market will cut you off is because the interest rates will accelerate to a point where borrowing just doesn't make sense. And that all has to do with, uh, that's maybe for another show, but essentially what happens is the Treasury tries to sell bonds. And if the buyers of those bonds don't want to buy at the price that the Treasury is offering, the Treasury has to raise the price. And they keep raising the price, and they keep raising the price until somebody wants to loan the money. And that's, therein lies the problem. Eventually, there's some fiscal discipline that's enforced on this process. And we're headed there anyway. But if we default, it is true that we will head there a lot faster. Uh, but we should just go ahead and rip the Band-Aid off now and default and start living within our means. That's that's would be my recommendation. And yes, a whole lot of people whose incomes depend on the federal government are going to suffer. That is without a doubt the case. But they will suffer anyway. And if you have a pension from the U.S. government, 
you will not get that pension. You will not be getting that money. This is just, this is what's going to happen eventually. So again, if you're working either directly or indirectly from the U.S. government, you might want to start looking for another job. I would say within the next five or ten years, you definitely should have a different career or you're going to be in big trouble. You're going to be you're going to be looking for another job while millions and millions and millions of other people are looking for a job. All right, I want to switch real quick to some questions that Bernie Sanders answers and then we'll go ahead and wrap up the show after that. Senator, you guys keep saying if necessary. Have you all ruled out voting for this package if it includes What language? package is that? Well, the debt ceiling package that they're trying to come together. Do you have the details of that package? If only I did. All right. So we <laughs> don't need, to be honest, you, we don't. Again, I don't think we're here to speculate. We don't know what that package will look like. President Biden himself has cast some doubt on the ability to move a 14th Amendment issue through the legal system in time to solve this crisis. So is this a viable solution for this specific debt limit crisis? I think it's the best solution we have. It's not perfect. But throwing children, uh, throwing millions of people off of health care and creating a situation where children in this country go hungry, that's less perfect. The first question the reporter is asking about this package that the House passed, but she made the mistake of calling it a debt ceiling package. And it's not a debt ceiling package. It's a budget. And so what she was really asking is, Hey, can't you guys just convene and vote on this budget that the uh, that the House has passed? And he he kind of obfuscates and um, basically says, "Well, do you know what? The, do you know the details of that package?" And she doesn't know. And he goes into, "Well, we can't speculate." But the reality is, if they pass the budget that the uh, the Republicans passed in the House. With that budget is an agreement to raise the debt ceiling by a certain amount. So this is kind of the game the Democrats are playing, right? They're they're saying we don't have a deal in front of us. You know, they're not negotiating. Well, they don't need to negotiate. They have a budget that they've given that they've passed over to the Senate. And now the Senate needs to take that up and debate it and offer amendments and do all the stuff that they do. Uh, to either pass it or not pass it, and then it would go to the president's desk to sign. But they don't want to do all that, right? Because it cuts some of these programs that their constituents love. And this is, again, this is all about uh, maintaining the jobs program of the U.S. government. And eventually, this jobs program will go away, okay? It's, It's only a matter of time. This process cannot continue forever because if you notice the the debt only gets bigger it never gets smaller and there are limits to this there are limits to which you can borrow in service especially in a rising interest rate environment 